I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. I like anime. And I don't. And this is Journey to the Core. What is the show we decided to talk about today? Or rather, what's the show we decided to talk about instead of uh, Tamaka Market? The show we watched uh, was The Promised Neverland. And Zach, what did you think of The Promised Neverland? So to preface this, uh, I've been reading The Promised Neverland, uh, the manga, since since it started. I've been reading it since the like audition chapters came out in Shonen Jump, and I've loved it. It, it was amazing. It's it's a really big breath of fresh air as far as like manga published in Shonen Jump is. Shonen Jump is Dragon Ball and like My Hero Academia, uh, like action for kids. So to have this come out and it was pretty incredible because um there's no action at all until it is dark and it's incredibly dark we'll we'll get to that yeah so i I loved it and i've been following it for a long time we've had a few episodes where we watched a show about a manga i like so far and i was hoping this one wasn't awful see for me we're two for three for being good or bad. Good. For shows based on manga. For shows me, based for on me, it's mangas. 0 for 3. Okay. So, yeah, so I wanted to see if this adaptation would actually hold up because there are good adaptations. They exist. Allegedly. We've just been missing them. Although you haven't been disliking them as much as me, so. Let me ask you, what do you think is the best adaptation of a manga? Oh boy. I, I can't really. Do you have a desert that. island pick? There, there's genuinely a lot of anime that enhances the manga. And I would say, honestly, My Hero Academia. I think the anime's better. Okay. So good um, pick. That, Not that I've read the manga, but I do enjoy that show a whole and, and the, heck of a don't lot. Don't get wrong. The manga is gorgeous and very good, but the the soundtrack on that show is impeccable. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah. The first One Punch Man anime that is beautiful and amazing. I don't know if it's necessarily better, but it's incredible as an adaptation. The new one currently happening is trash garbage, like utter disaster. Adaptations can be really hit and miss, and I do I do think there are a lot of good ones. I think a lot of shonen tends to have good adaptations, with the exception being One Piece, which has the worst adaptation. For something I've talked to you about a lot, as I'm a huge One Piece fan, I think it's incredible. The anime is so bad, and I'm constantly angry about it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, all right. So I, I went off on like three tangents just to say I liked I liked this show. Okay. So Mike, how'd you briefly before we get into it? How did you feel about the Promised Neverland? You know, I loved the Promised Neverland. That's great to hear. Great pick on this one. We needed something good. This <laughs> show was was taut, exciting. Really kept me on my toes. Great twists and turns. Really great characters. Soundtrack was phenomenal. Mm. It just hooked me from the very beginning and did not let up until, you know, the final moments. Yeah, agreed. I I think the adaptation and the original story itself, um, incredible. I think it looks gorgeous. It sounds gorgeous. Uh, The story's very well told. You never never know what's coming next. Even having watched it before, it was very intense. The animation, honestly, I think in this really does enhance it. I felt like the anime almost delivers better than the manga does in a lot of ways, which I feel is really hard for suspense because in a book or a manga, you, you control your own pace. Mm-hmm. and That page... page turn can be so impactful. Exactly. As uh, in the uh, as it is in the Junji Ito collection. Exactly. And so... Or in Junji Ito's work, not the well, he ha- anime he has adaptations. But yes. Okay. Uh, but I think this is actually a perfect like counterexample of that because Junji Ito collection in the show drops the ball so hard. But I think Promise Neverland, you can feel that feeling of like turning a page 
Mm. Like there are moments where I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Stuff happens in like the musical cue and the musicals. The musical cues aren't like obnoxious, like in a shock horror movie or a jump scare horror movie, where it's like Dah! like when the when the, when the thing happens, when the page turn equivalent happens. But they just convey so much. Like you just notice when this shocking moment happens, and you just feel it in your whole body, and you're like really worrying about what's happening, and the mystery is unraveling. You're so enraptured in all this, and I, yeah, I think it's great. I, they do, I did notice all the to pinpoint like exact examples of it uh, i did notice some differences in how it's laid out and like edited mm-hmm. than the manga and i think that helps the anime medium uh it can definitely hurt your product and not change stuff when you adapt it you don't want to change too much because you don't want to lose the product but you do need to change some things for a different medium and i think promise neverland did a good job of it so yeah i mean we want to get more in depth into it we should just go into the full review yeah let's talk a little bit about the story first off i had no idea what the show was about yeah, going right. in well, you were I, tight-lipped yeah you said I, we're just gonna sit down and watch this i'm refusing to say anything extra about the show i wanted you to just experience this um i'm still not telling you i know answers to a lot of the questions and i'm not gonna say anything because okay. there's another season coming next year and you're gonna watch that blind yeah, I, I refused because i didn't know how long it would take them to drop the first hammer but I think it was like the first episode. I feel like the experience of not knowing anything about this show and then you just think it's this happy orphanage and then bam. Oh, <laughs> that's what's happening. It's just so magical. Yeah. I'm so glad I got to like just watch you hit that. So before we go too far into what that is, I do want to go into the background of the manga just to give okay. just to get the credits. God, out what way, a tease you are. Uh, so the original manga was written by... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Forget this. Uh, We're giving your best shot. Happen all the time. Uh, you could always just dub this one part. So like Kaiu Shirai, it's K-A-I-U, and then Shirai is the writer, and the artist is uh, Posika Demizu. The studio that made Promise Neverland was Cloverworks. Something that we'll probably watch that they're going to do is um, the anime based on the phone game I play where historical figures are yes. anime characters. All right. Uh, that I would be as into. Yes, yeah, so that's a massive franchise that's had a bunch as of anime. probably. But that's, this is going to be the first one based on the phone game, okay. which I'm excited for because it's, it's the coolest chapter. Uh, so that's going to be fun. They've done a few other things that have all been pretty interesting. Darling and the Franks, which is a mecha show. I could talk a lot about Darling and the Franks. I'm not going to. Okay. How does it compare to Planet With? I'm talking mecha shows. Not as good. It's right. It's kind of. I would say like it kind of switches off. Whereas with Planet With, I didn't like it very much until the ending, where it kind of comes together, and I liked what it was going for and the message behind it. Donnelly Franks was constantly kind of up and down, hit and miss, but overall had engaging character writing and had story arcs you wanted to follow, and I think it looked better from an action standpoint. Okay. And then at the very end, drops the ball insanely hard, just terribly hard, and I I'm not happy with Donnelly the Franks. So, back to Promise Neverland, it was directed by uh, Mamoru Kanbe, who, uh, his, he's, he directs a weird smattering of things. He seems to bounce back and forth between psychological terror and irreverent comedy. He's done, like, random, like, slice-of-life comedies. He did the directing for Elfin Lied. Elfin Lied? Elfin Lied. Elfin Lied. Elfin Lied. Elfin Lied. Elf in Lied. But not Elvin. Elfin. Elfin Lied. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, you probably know of it without noting you know of it. This show aired 
in the West on Adult Swim around when we were in middle school, maybe even a little younger. Uh, but it kept around the internet consciousness because this is like this is the anime that introduced like horrific tentacle murder to the Western audience in a lot of ways, at least our generation. And so like this, I remember growing up, this was like a meme. This was um like a thing everyone kind of just like vaguely knew about was just like yeah, anime. It's like like tentacles and like dogs getting clubbed to death. Yeah, it was always kind of like a punchline because okay. it was like this is like absurdly violent, horrific show that no one really watched actively, but people that we knew, including me, like would just wake up in the middle of the night and like they forgot to turn the TV off and it's be adult swim at like 4 a.m. and you just see like a dog getting strangled by a tentacle demon. Uh, so I, I like so I feel like everyone I know that even kind of wa- even watch like Cartoon Network at all, not even anime knew of this. Kind of helped it hit a little before Naruto. So like people in our age group were like ready to hit anime for the first time. Believe it. And we had this weird thing just appear afterward. Yeah, you can pull it up and show it to me, and I'm sure all kinds of repressed memories will come flooding <laughs> forth. <laughs> so he, he's done psychological horror. Alright, well join us next episode for Elfin Lie. No. Music in this uh, this show. Okay, fill me in because I was really impressed by the soundtrack. So it was uh, show. it was really varied and every style was just nailed. So it was arranged by Takahiro Obata, and looking into him, he's only uh, arranged or composed a couple other things ever. And I was really surprised because this is really well done. So I looked into him more, and he's kind of he's only been in he might have been like a private musician or like has like actual music out, but that's really hard to find a lot of time. I did find he's worked as a performer an anime for since 2013 which is crazy how short he went from being a performer to composing this incredible soundtrack um and also the other things that he's composed the music for is, is he has a crazy resume already and some of the first thing he composed was for a final fantasy phone game okay a couple years ago uh did you now, play it yeah i played it you did okay it's it was it's a record keeper which i think it was the best of the 97 <laughs> games but i don't play it anymore weren't um, most of the final fantasy games just movies that was more recent ones where they were basically just playable cutscenes. 13 is the most like mimetic for that. Like people call it a hallway simulator. Um, and then 12 doesn't have gameplay. Okay. Basically. Uh, but up and up before then, they're very. They kept getting more and more story heavy, and they're always they're RPGs. They're like pioneers of RPGs. They've gotcha. always been very story heavy as a genre. Uh, like a big thing for them was back in like the NES and SNES days, they had cutscenes, which was wild. And they've always they've always just gone more and more and more into that. And that's been a big problem with the series. The 115's a huge mess because the opening cutscenes that explain the entire plot are a separate movie you have to buy. <laughs> Which I, one did Florence of the Machine do a song 15. for? Okay. She did three songs. Three songs. The Stand By Me cover, and I think two original. And the Stand By Me cover is the best thing she did since her second album. Uh, what's our Florence and the Machine podcast called? Journey to the Floor? Journey to the Journey to, Journey to the Journey to the Floor. And the Machine? Prop- Journey to the Florence. I think just Journey to the Floor. Yeah, I think that works. Would probably work. Yeah, we can talk a lot about Florence and the Machine. Yeah, point. definitely. But yeah, so that's... Especially just, since I haven't listened to them in seven years. It's been a lot. I, I've listened to all the music that comes out. I just haven't liked any of it in about seven years. So, all right. So yeah, his resume for like stuff he's arranged though after that has been crazy. He did the My Hero, My Hero Academia movie. He did one of the One Piece movies. And then he did... Well, he's in, he won their show, then Promised Neverland, and now he's on another show. So he's doing one a season now. Uh, and that's that's wild like to go from a dude that just just did his first like performance in the industry in 2013 to composing for like a movie so big it had regular western movie like american movie yeah like theaters have that's it impressive like that's wild to me i don't know if that's even an impressive track record i don't know how the track works you know but 
that, that's wild because he's he's good. Yeah, I guess now we can genuinely go into like spoilers because we're just going to talk about stuff that happens. We're just going to probably spoil the whole season because I think we want to. I think I think you have questions and speculation. So it's mostly speculation. Yeah. I feel as though a large part of this discussion is probably going to be devoted to my fan theories. Yeah, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Uh, when it isn't something, I guess I have to keep my mouth shut in general. I don't want to spoil what has answers and what doesn't either. This okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So yeah, so. Uh, the first episode, which we kind of talked about a bit, so it's like it starts out as like idyllic, like these these orphans living in an orphanage, and they're kind of cut off from the world. There's a fence that goes around the entire orphanage, um, but they're happy. Not just a fence, a giant concrete wall. Well, they don't find that until later. Oh, right. Uh, so there's like a fence, and there's like a gate. The only way out of the compound is this big gate on a bridge, and so they live this idyllic life. You know, there's kids playing. And every now and then one of them gets adopted and they go away. And there's a bunch of these kids that there's like, there's so many of them. There's like, 38, in fact. Yeah, there's a lot of kids. To look that up. And they're all taken care of by one mother. Well, they call her mother. And then um, things start to like creep in. Uh, you, you notice all the kids have barcodes on their necks. And then you notice that every day they have to take these like intense tests. Yeah, the sinister undertones become pretty apparent pretty yeah, quickly. very quickly. You know it's not just going to be this show about an idyllic orphanage. Yeah, and then... kids uh, running around. And then one of them gets adopted, and she goes to be to the bridge to be taken to her new, her new home. Um, to be released, to reference the giver, which some of this reminded me of, actually, in an odd way. Uh, definitely, I got like... I think Ender's Game vibes. Oh, sure. Especially with the test taking and like yeah. training kids. It's a young adult dystopian story, so yeah. obviously there are going to be parallels. Yeah, and it's definitely different enough, I feel. The, the girl who's adopted leaves her stuffed rabbit behind, and so the main characters, Emma and Norman, go to follow the girl and give her the rabbit back. So they sneak on the bridge behind them uh, where they witness giant demons murdering the girl and putting her in a test tube. And then talking to their mother about uh, harvesting the high-quality meat of the oldest, most intelligent kids at the orphanage. Yeah, so it turns out the orphanage is a cattle farm. And their mother's selling them to demons as yeah. cattle. And the demons consume the children. It goes from zero to 60 fast. Yeah, and so the, the, the orphan meat at this farm is incredibly high-end. The demons that pick it up aren't able to touch it or even a finger. And the, the three main characters, Emma, Norman, Ray, who all have like 300 IQs or something nuts, are the highest quality meat possible. They're the Kobe beef yeah, they're, they're, of children. They're the most intelligent. They're, they're, they've outlived. Most of the peers get harvested way before their age, but they constantly get perfect grades. So they're the, yeah, they're, they're Wagyu cow, like they're top tier. And this plays into a theory I'm going to share at some point. Yeah. Which doesn't have a concrete answer right now, but we'll we'll get into it. Uh, and so they realize, holy crap, uh, we're, we're food. We're Soil food. and green is people. We're food, and our mother is the one raising us as cattle. Yeah. So their world kind of comes crashing down. So Emma and Norman notice this immediately, uh, and then they find out very quickly that Ray, just their friend who's their same age, just also just knows about it already. Uh, so they're like, oh crap, we have to get out. Uh, and then they find out that, yeah, they're not only surrounded by like a 
a knee-high fence that's surrounded by a gigantic concrete wall all the way around the facility. With, as it's revealed later, a giant moat yeah, separating the later. wall that's from like, the outside world. That's like a whole other like heartbreaking moment yeah. later. And then it turns out like very shortly after, they also have trackers implanted in them. The mother always is checking like her what looks like a watch. But it turns out it's like a tracker for the tracking devices. Yeah, I mean that's one of the key things with the show is it's always out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. Just when you think you have things figured out it just pulls the rug out from under you yeah, things constantly escalate but the thing is like they escalate both directions because like the show isn't just it's a cat and mouse game but it's like a tom and jerry cat and mouse game where the mice are able to like have blows against the cat as well it's this real seesaw like back and forth it seems like everyone's always ahead of each other and anytime a revelation happens there's at least once an episode there's almost immediately like this follow-up to it that's like oh like that seems like it's gonna be really bad for the kids but oh nope one of them had an idea or a plan to get around it or oh hey like something finally went good for the kids and oh nope it turns out they have trackers implanted in their ears or it turns out there's a moat on the other side of the wall or it turns out one of them is up to be harvested things just keep escalating and escalating uh and i really like it because it's a really slow drip feed of answers mm-hmm. uh and there's they never go too far nothing's ever like explicitly stated even at the end of the series at the end of the the, the core you still have no idea what the outside world is like like at all and i have some theories about the outside world that i'd love to share uh, but we'll get to that the only thing you really notice is um well i have some hopes for what the outside world might look like. Yeah, the other thing is like uh, uh, another sister that works for the demon shows up at one point and hangs around for a few episodes. You, she's eventually eaten. Yeah, she's eventually betrayed and eaten. But you get glimpses of what the system that makes these mothers and sisters is like. Although we never see how they become mothers. Hopefully yeah. we'll they seem get to, to that in a later picked. season. Well, that, how they're picked, but also how, how they're inseminated and how that Well, yeah, so like they're, they're not just mothers in like name. They also all have to give birth, it seems yeah. like. Because Ray, as it turns out, is the mother of the orphanage, Isabella's son. And she you have to have a kid to become a mother of an orphanage. And we don't know why and we don't know how. Uh, it just seems like a random girl just picked for having high intelligence because she offers Emma the position once Emma finds out about everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot of hints. You get, you get like information about like the training program. The sister that shows up has clearly gone insane from it. There's all sorts of little hints dropped about what the hierarchy is like. They meet the grandma, who's oh, yeah. like the head of the mother's. Their farm is one of the five high-grade farms. And like they just kind of revealed there's a big network. But you don't know how extensive or where humans are outside of this or yeah. if there are humans. Do you or... think we'll get to see the lower grade farms in the next season? I think we'll get to explore that. Oh, man. All right. So I... can I share my first theory? Yeah. I think this is a good place to do this. So you talk about how kids are chosen based on high intelligence to be mothers. I think the kids with the high intelligence are being played by the demons. We think these kids are the Kobe beef, Hmm. but what if they are encouraging kids in a way to escape? They want the kids, certain kids, to become aware of the fact that they are in captivity, that they're going to be eaten, and the kids that escape, that get out, that realize this, are of the highest, highest quality. Like, this is the Kobe beef right here. The kids Hmm. that realize their food, escape, think they're out, think they have a read on the whole situation. That's my theory right Mm. now, is in the second season we're going to realize that, oh, these kids have all been played by this even grander conspiracy. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm predicting. I could be wrong. There's definitely like hints that there's something more to it. But these kids were, in a sense, allowed to escape. 
Mm. That's my that's my current notion. I mean, it's a good theory. Speculation. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the kids being played. I think it's important to like talk about past because it's a show about children who are being raised as cattle. Uh, and I feel like this show could be a disaster. A lot of people hate kids. Uh, especially in entertainment products. Mm-hmm. And while there's definitely, you know, like shonen shows are about like high schoolers most of the time, 12 year olds are the oldest characters that aren't villains. The, so the main trio is the oldest, they're all 12. And then you have two 10 year olds, Don, Gilda, and then below them are a lot of kids like from actual babies to you know, eight. But every character with a name, I think, is actually like pretty well fleshed out over the course of the show. And they all are actually very different yeah. in like very enjoyable ways. And like a big part of the show is like the way it's drip-fed to you makes sense in the, in the show's story too, because you start out and they're all this like innocent kids playing. Uh, and then Emma, Norman, and Ray find out this awful thing. Like, right, we have to, Emma's like, we have to save everyone. And Norman's like, sure, I agree with Emma, whatever, because he just wants to bone Emma as a 12 year old, whatever. It's a fucking yeah and then ray is just like no we just have to leave like we know about this we're the strongest and most capable like we just need to leave uh and so over the course of the series you start getting moments of just like like when don and gilda the 10 year olds find out which they find out kind of on their own um they're angry because they weren't they didn't trust them to tell them and like those two characters immediately prove to be like more capable than the main trio in a lot of ways and then like kind of like drips farther down like you keep like the last episode especially you see like a lot of the younger kids who didn't really do much just suddenly being just suddenly having things that make sense and like things in the background yeah coming into play to make the escape possible like the youngest like phil who's just always like really keen on the mom and like leans on her ends up being like the distraction for them to get out uh two kids that are always seen playing together and doing weird science stuff in the background and having like bottle rockets to help them get out don just ends up being like the muscle like breaks down doors mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah, they, the show doesn't hit you over the head with these things no there's, which like, some shows do and i really appreciate that yeah i really it really takes advantage of like the premise of just like hyper intelligent children because everyone involved is just very capable but also still a dumb kid uh and i think it's just written like really well everyone's believably stupid despite the fact that they're 10 year olds talking like adults they're still dumb as bricks like yeah. it, it's great it's it's such a great look and like it's and their outlooks make a lot of sense too like raise the overdramatic middle schooler mm-hmm. who's really into like lincoln park and just being an emo but emma's like the optimistic like everything always works out like heroes who does emma listen to Five. Taylor Ooh. Swift. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm thinking part, I'm trying to think like art of the school era, you know, like, I don't honestly, I was the emo kid. Well, like, I try to keep up with what the kids are into. Let's see, they like Cardi B, right? They like yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking Ariana like, Ariana Grande. Think Emma, Emma doesn't seem into hip hop. Yeah. I know Taylor Swift is relatively passe now, right? Uh, I mean, she's still Taylor Swift. There's no way she's out of the public consciousness. Let's see, uh, Bozzy. What? Billie Eilish is popular currently. So, yeah, so I think going Have back... you heard that song, Mine by Bozzy? No. That's one of two songs on pop radio right now that oh, that's I like. Funny. It doesn't come on as often now as it used to, mm-hmm. but it's it's a jam. It's good. It's a jam. I'll Utilizes it space well. There's a little bit of tension and release, which you don't actually get a lot from modern pop music. It's generally pretty pervasive, so it's nice to hear that. I'm trying to think of like other people that have like breathing in their song. 
Actually, we've talked about him a bit lately. Anyway, the weekend. But anyway, yeah. But the, to... Those are the people middle schoolers are yeah. into. Yeah, I was trying to think of like when we were in middle school who Sandals who weren't me were listening to. Let's see. I was listening to Rush. I listened to to Twenty One Twelve about two thousand one hundred and twelve times <laughs> in seventh grade. I, I like legitimately can't remember who was big and pop when we were in middle school. Yellow which, which card. wasn't very long ago. Like a lot of these people are probably still performing in the pop circuit right now. The Click Five. Taylor Swift, right? All American Rejects. Uh, the All American Rejects. The Black Eyed Peas were very popular when we were in middle school, right? Yes, they must have. Been. But like, there was like it was like late day Black Eyed Peas, like boom boom pow. And then Norman listened to classical music. Okay, nerd. Classical, and then but like if, the, if he had the internet, he'd be really into like metal. I think. Uh, I would be really into, like, Carly Rae Jepsen if she had started a bit earlier. I remember my friend Jimmy was really into the Arctic Monkeys. I think they were just starting to hit America when I was in 7th grade, 8th grade. Here's the thing, that's the crossover. All three of them would listen to the Arctic Monkeys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were cool once. Yeah. Did you know that? For, like, a week. Yeah. It was pretty short-lived, but yeah. There there were a couple of years there where uh, where they were, like, the next big thing. (laughs) They were really cool and alternative and edgy. Those were the days. I mean, like, in all fairness, that was that was like immediately following the Nickelback era. Indie rock was Coldplay weird got popular time. in that era. True, like true. anything could take off in that era. Yeah, and I suppose Coldplay could qualify the as an answer. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you remember Jack's Mannequin? Yeah, it's only because you brought them up to me. Yeah, Jack's Mannequin was good. That was that was around that time. Uh, Two Door Cinema Club. Never listened to them in middle school. MGMT. That was more high school. Let's see. I found Radiohead in eighth grade. That was a big deal. I'm sorry. I discovered them. I was, I was, I got them signed. Yeah. Yeah. Gym class heroes. (laughs) Now, what was the top song of 2007, let's say? Nothing good. Give It To Me by Timbaland. Oh, Oh, Soldier Boy. Crank that Soldier Boy. Yeah, that was was a meme, but I never listened to it. What I've done, Linkin Park. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, like, like Lincoln Park was pretty huge for me in middle school. You know, not a lot in 2017, honestly. 2017. Paralyzer by Finger Eleven, Stronger Kanye West. Okay, Hot and Cold, Katy Perry. Yep, Katy Perry a little bit, not too much for me. Jason Mraz, I'm yours. I never liked Jason Mraz. That's a big one, but that that's one of the standouts. Yeah, I'm just trying to relate it to what I was the kid I was in middle school. Yeah, Flow Rider. Let's go to 2009. Yeah, Flo-Rider. Boom Boom Pow, as we yep. mentioned. I got a feeling. Oh Jesus Christ. Owl City. Fireflies. fireflies. Yeah, I cannot believe my eyes. Ten million fireflies. Party in the USA. Oh, Miley Cyrus. Yep. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is pretty huge. You belong with me. Taylor Swift. Love yep, story Swift. as well was huge. You found me. The fray. And if we go to 2010, which would that would be pushing it. I was in high school at that point. We got Forget You, CeeLo Green. That song was incredible. Let's not even be like the odds was fucking terrible. Hey, <laughs> there were some good albums in the odds. We had American Idiot. There was good Kanye. There was good Taylor. How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb by U2. Actually, yeah. Like, what were the big albums of 2007? So we got In Rainbows. Nobody was listening yeah, No, No one school. we knew was listening to Radiohead. So let's see, we got... Even you didn't discover them until 8th grade, which means the rest of us didn't hit it until, like, 12th. Yeah, all of these are hipster picks. Like, Burial, Beirut, Radiohead, Danda Bear, Bonnie Vare, Queens of the Stone Age, Air Vulgaris is an underappreciated album. But I didn't listen to that in middle school. Yeah, we we less retroactively good 2007 albums and more. What yeah. was actually what was immediate? What yeah. was everybody actually listening to at the yeah. time? Uh, let's see, 2008 we had. Okay, here we go. Dear Science TV on the radio. I had a teacher that was really into that album. What is? Who is that? 
TV on the radio. I don't. That name sounds vaguely familiar. But... They were one of the next big indie bands. Until oh, everybody yeah. realized that all indie rock sounds the same. Yep. I mean, have we really realized that? Because like Imagine Dragons exists right now. Well, they're more pop rock now. Fair. They started as indie rock though. And appropriately, all Imagine Dragons songs sound the same. Uh, Kings of Leon. Oh wow. That's big. Does that have sex on fire? Yeah. Only by the night. Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses. Oof. <laughs> we, we have to do a podcast about the making of Chinese Democracy. Did you claim your free Dr. Pepper on the day Chinese Democracy came out? <laughs> your free bottle of Dr. Pepper? Last year, 2009, we got Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. Those songs were big. The XX. My brother spun the heck out of the ecstatic, most deaf. Humbug, Arctic Monkeys. See, at the front of the, these years, there's a lot of music that, like, was big, but we're, we were too young to really notice, and so a lot of this was just high school music for us. Like, yeah. Which I think is just middle school summed up, like, a lot of stuff just misses you completely, even though you're technically the, the target audience. Brand New Eyes, Paramore. Paramore. Yeah. That would have been popular. Bra- was Brand New Eyes, which was the album cover Brand New Eyes? That's the Butterfly. That's the good album. Yeah. I think that was the only good album they had until, uh, Last two years ago, which is by far best Paramore. <laughs> yeah, Paramore would be a good pick for actually Paramore. Uh, another band that uh, all three of the kids on the show would like. Paramore's fine. Paramore, all right. Paramore was fine. The last album is so good that it's kind of made me forgive Paramore since. What's that one song? Uh, you are. Isn't it the only exception? I like that one. I like. Uh, Hey, hey, you, you, I could be your girlfriend, no way, no way, I think you need a new one. Uh, Misery Business, which is the dana, 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 oh, yeah. dana, which is great. I saw um, a lot of people cover that at Berkeley. The, uh, the, that's what you get, that was in Rock Band that's too. That's what you get when you let your right. heart win. So, uh, anyway, I, actually, where were right, we? Why do we talk about albums and not just talk about what was featured in Rock Band and Guitar Hero? Because that's the only music anyone knew when we were in middle school and high school. <laughs> like, legitimately, that's what everyone's, that's what everyone's yeah. still to this day that we know. Their music tastes entirely because of Tony Hawk, Guitar Hero, and Rock Band. I mean, that is how I discovered Rush. That's how everyone discovered all the music. the first rock band. I, I, like, I'm, I'm being genuine. Like, that is, like, those that those three game series is everyone that, that we know is music taste. Yeah. And nobody had ever heard of Rush. <laughs> ever. I was like, these guys. And... You're a tastemaker, right? I'm responsible for the success of so many bands. And it's weird more people don't recognize me for that. So The Promised Neverland... I don't even know what you were talking about before. We, we were talking about what music these kids would be into. Oh, we were talking about the characters. Yeah. Right. Uh, and yeah, like, I think I already said everything to say about it. I don't remember what I said. I think the characters are really well done. Really, like, slowly doled out uh, in a believable way. So do you want to... Do you want me to speculate more about where I think this show might go? Yeah, so I guess... I guess we literally just watched the last episode. Yeah, um, maybe an hour ago. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I, I know where the show goes. Um... The manga is, it, I don't, it's not done yet, I don't think, but it's, it's fairly short. Um, I would say there's like two full arcs after this, which is going to be two or three seasons. They're pretty long arcs, so I don't know. And then the final, like the, the manga, inside how this manga top charts, the creators said this is going to be the final arc. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty short, even if this arc ends up being huge. It's going to be a pretty short manga, as far as children go, a successful children. There's a lot, a lot happens in every single 
chapter. This show's gonna go places. It 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 doesn't stop going places. It, it, I really enjoy it because even when it's being like really rote, as rote as the show gets, like as as tired as the show gets, the worst it ever gets, like it still pulls the rug out from under you. Mm-hmm. Like the the writers don't just do tropes; they're very aware of tropes, and uh, even at times where. It slumps for a little bit, and I start to get a little worried. The writer always pulls it out. Like, it always ends up having a good reason for what it did. And I think it keeps being really engaging, even though it does change directions a bit. I guess I know it's going to happen. You know? Yeah, What? What? based on what we've seen, what do you so, think? So, I touched upon my theory earlier, which concerns where I think the plot is headed. I'm really intrigued to see the outside world. Uh, I was talking I was talking with you about this earlier. I'm hoping we get to see the demons society, mm. what that is like. And I really want it to be like an old industrial revolution style like cityscape <laughs> where like they're all in horseless carriages and they got top hats on and they're sweeping uh, sweeping stoops, <laughs> sweeping brooms and they're outside in cafes sipping sipping coffee and tea it's just like this completely normal world except they're all demons and like the kids are trying to navigate it Mm -hmm. i'm sure it'll be a little more dystopian than that (laughs) i guess i just really like that visual i gotta say that's probably anything i'm so excited for the second season of this because just like the first episode of this was such a bomb first episode of that second season is gonna hit you so hard and it's gonna be so i'm I'm so excited to like react to because how close am I? I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna say. Okay. But I will say that like questions of the world are gonna be answered immediately. Like, okay. and <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be great. Because they're gonna. Is it gonna be some weird HR Geeker esque m- machine like alien world? Is it gonna be kind of like human society? Where are we gonna go? Places. Uh, that's for sure. Like I said, judging from well, what we got. For, for right now, we're going to the woods because the kids have managed to escape, but mm-hmm. all you can see is trees as far as the eye can see. So for the moment, they're going to the woods and they're being hunted by the demons, which are fairly Giger-esque. Uh, just know that like, you know, we're, we're going to spend some time in the woods with these kids. All right. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. I'll try to resist the temptation to go look at the manga <laughs> or go look up spoilers because I'm really really intrigued by where this goes. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I don't know if I, I can wait manga, until The manga is pretty incredible. It's, it's a long wait. And if it happens, it happens. Because the, the manga is very good. I will say, if you do break and read it, we have to do an episode. <laughs> but we'll, we'll play that by ear. The, uh, I mean, if you, want, if, you, if you want to read the manga, and you want it in an official way, uh, the Shonen Jump app. As Who we are not sponsored by. No, this is not But would be perfectly just, willing to be sponsored by. Yeah, it's just a good app to use if you want to reach Shonen Jump manga. manga. Probably by Viz Media, I'm pretty sure. Viz right. pretty much just is the big manga person, a company here in the West. Uh, and Viz is not sponsoring us, but they should be. No, I mean, like they do good work. They make, the app's good. Um, I haven't used it in a really long time. I don't know what the prices are anymore. Um, hey, Viz, do you want us to say the same things, but for money? <laughs> Drop us a line. knowing the prices. Yeah, journeytothecore uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely check that out if you want to do I, I feel like I feel obligated to mention, also Crunchyroll has this show for streaming, because, I mean, I feel obligated to mention the legal routes to watching this, because we should all ingest our manga and anime legally. Are there other routes? No. <laughs> it's actually impossible. Yeah, I didn't really understand what you Yeah, meant. sorry. I do. Yeah, I should. I, we should probably mention that this how legally to we consume ingest. our media is the, the media. only way you can by paying for it. Yeah, and respecting the 
artistry of making manga anime. Yeah. You paid for that Paramore album, right? Well, I mean, which one? We're talking about the one that came out in 2008. I did pay for that on iTunes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what made me decide what I would pay, what I would like spend money on, and what what I would just pirate on LimeWire. But I, I distinctly know that I have a Paramore album because it's on my iTunes still to this. <laughs> what was the first song you spent money on in iTunes? Typhoon, their first album. Mine was Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. It's Which is start. okay for a fifth grader who got a, an iTunes card for his birthday. Uh, actually, it's kind of hard to trace my first purchases because I was on the Zune store for my first music player. Oh, Jesus. I had a hand-me-down Zune. How much do you think a Zune's going for on eBay right now? Well, since they aren't made anymore, it could have gone Do you think those are a, you can a rare collector? Do you think those are a rare collector's item? I doubt it. They definitely were overproduced, and you can't even actually use them. How much do you think a Zune well, what, with accessories what, is going what for? What kind of Zune? Like storage? Give me a storage. Like 30 gigabytes. Type. 30? Brown with accessories. Um, $29.99. By the prices right rules, you win. $33.51. Wow. Three bids so far. <laughs> oh, it's being bid on. What? You can't, the Zune store doesn't even exist anymore. I guess you can just. Probably it's not an it's not an iPod. You can buy it now for forty two. Here's uh, another one. So I guess it, since it's not an iPod, you can always like click and drag music files onto it still, huh? Yeah, I mean my Pono is no longer supported officially, but you can drag files onto a Via J River Media yeah. Center, which I do. I just uh, I don't even I haven't used. It. Yeah, I own a Pono. Fuck you. <laughs> do you use Title? Does anyone use Title? Does Title still exist? What is Title? <laughs> the music streaming service, but it's like all flack. I don't I don't know what that is. Really? I no, I, I do. Yeah, uh, it's a bit. So do you use it? No. <laughs> Who uses title except Jay Z and Kanye West's wife? <laughs> I don't know why this the Zoom didn't have the ability to have random MV3s on it. Given I haven't used an Apple product, which is the only thing that can't just use random MV3s in like a decade. Is that even true with iPods anymore? Could you just play, like, not iTunes MP3s on an iPod now? So you have to have iTunes to sync an iPod. But could it just be a random MP3 file that you put on your iTunes? Yeah, they don't have to be AACs. Okay. You can't play FLAX on iPods, but you really? can... You can't play FLAC files on iPods, but you can play ALAC, Apple lossless audio codec, and WAV files, and AIFF files <laughs> as well. But FLAC files have never been supported by Apple. I believe they just started They I mean, just like, started supporting them recently, but you, like, just would it, recently. Would it matter? Because it still has to go through the phone, right? Would a phone even, unless it was like intentionally designed to do it, would it, like, wouldn't your phone ruin quality of the FLAC file anyway? Yeah, I mean, the innards would ensure that you aren't really getting any real uh, advantage from having a lossless yeah. file. That's definitely what turned me off of like caring about the quality of the like I stopped buying like I stopped buying like the flack edition even though it did cost more usually. But I stopped buying it when I realized nothing I had was high fidelity enough to even matter what I was listening to. Yeah, for me resolution is capped at a certain point. It's all about mastering mm -hmm. dynamic range. That's what I'm into. I'm you might to notice music. a difference in mastering. I could play you an 80 CD and then compare yeah, it to I, I a recent remaster and it would be me, night and day. I think the thing for me is just like I listen to everything through the same really garbage uh, laptop speakers and that's going to kill anything. Yeah. Uh, I notice, like I do, I, I do notice it more when I listen to it my headphones on my phone at this point, your phone's a pretty decent music player. It is. It's yeah. no Pono, but it's all right. Yeah, like... And yeah, I own a Pono. Fuck you. <laughs> is it, that's the triangle one, right? It's the Toberlone. 
That's weird. I mean, that's that's a nifty novelty. It actually rules. You, yeah, you you probably do notice the difference. So that's, that's good. I just don't. My ears are caveman ears. I don't notice anything. Uh, you could, but you shouldn't. I yeah, do not I think, recommend becoming an audiophile. Yeah, I think I've actively avoided for the sake of that. your own sanity. Just don't I, uh, do it. Like I remember, it, it reminds me of like I remember when internet video started having 480p, and then again what happened what happened with HD. Where it's like I didn't notice the change. At, like when we changed up, when I stopped listening watching videos in like 480 and started 720 or 360 to 480, I didn't notice anything. But then after watching it in that new quality for like a year, and then, you know, he backed down. It's, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and that's happening again, like 1080. I noticed more over 720. That's pretty recent because I, I kind of actively avoided doing it to myself again. But now, like, you can watch a 1080 video on a pile of trash PC from a decade ago. So it's not a big deal anymore. Um, but now the thing I'm actively avoiding is noticing frame rates. Mm-hmm. I'm trying very hard to not become one of those people that really notices frame rates. For me, it's impossible, unfortunately. If somebody has that motion plus setting on their television, it drives me bonkers. For me, all I, all I need is a stable frame rate, and I can usually get over it. Which I, you do not get from Auto Motion Plus. Yeah. Right now, right now, to the point where I notice 60 frames over 30, and that sucks, because you start really wanting 60 frames. Yeah. And I'm very much trying to just not want to go over 60. Just wait until Ang Lee makes 120 frames per second a thing. <laughs> He's releasing a movie with Will Smith. Have you, I shown you the trailer, trailer for trailer this movie. That, yeah. We didn't watch the last episode of the Promised Neverland to watch this trailer instead last time. That's right. Yeah. And it was worth it. Absolutely. Uh, Will Smith's second best looking movie coming out this year behind Aladdin Genie. <laughs> Which CG Will Smith is worse? This is a profound question. The young Will Smith in this Ang Lee movie or... Will Smith Aladdin as genie. the genie in Aladdin. <laughs> They're both awful. It's it's hard to it's honestly so hard to say. I will say his turn as the genie looks consistent at least. It's it's weird, but it's consistent. Whereas that trailer has a real uncanny valley thing going on. Yeah. Half of the time it is so clearly digital uh, de aging. I thought they should not be Will Smith blue. Yeah, honestly, if he'd just been Will Smith, like, in a costume... I don't think anyone would have cared. That would have been great. Those live-action movies are so, like, awful. Just wall-to-wall. Why do they need to be beholden to that to make him the genie blue? Just let him be Will Smith. He's got, like, a funny vest and hat on. He just dances around. Aladdin isn't gonna work. Does his thing. If you don't just make the movie letting whoever the actor is the genie do their thing. Because yeah, I don't think we've watched Aladdin in recent years. That's just Robin Williams. Like, that movie's just Robin Williams. There's no other good point for that movie. I don't know what good point. There's nothing else in that movie. It seems dumb to even care enough about Aladdin without Robin Williams to remake it to begin with. But if you're gonna do it, like, don't make Will Smith blue. Like, just let Will Smith be Will Smith. Is he, Cause he just looks like Tobias from Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, why is it? Why did Will Smith like stop just being Will Smith and things? Because it's been worse. Like, I think the fall of Will Smith as a movie star is a really fascinating subject that we could do a sub podcast on. Honestly, I think he's a content creator now. How did that happen? I think the problem is that he stopped being Will Smith and things. Like, legitimately, I think. And it seemed like a conscious decision on his part. And like, I I think it's funny because if you look at his rules, a lot of them, you can like see him. Like, his through point, like, Hancock is that depressed, like, middle chapter where he doesn't want to do this anymore, but he has to, and all, like, 
he literally can't not make content. Like. You know, I think the main thing might be he realizes what a limited audience he has access to via movie stardom. The audience that he wants is on the internet, hey, so now Will he's Smith, a YouTuber. Will Smith isn't stupid. He, he did music and TV because that was where the audience was. Jump ship to movies because that was where the audience is. And now he's saying, how about some Fortnite on YouTube because that's where the audience is. He's not dumb. Famous people realizing they can just like have their careers on YouTube and just doing that is just a thing now. Oh, what the fuck happened to this world? So, Zach, any final thoughts on The Promise to Neverland? Was that what it was about? Well, if you can remember way, way back when, when we were talking about that anime. Uh, Promise to Neverland is fantastic. It's one of the best things we've watched together. I mean, recency effect for sure, but it's one of it's 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 so good. It's one. It would be up there for anime in general for me. So Zach, I can echo those sentiments wholeheartedly. This is a great show. Just watch this anime. So that'll do it, I suppose, for it's, this episode. I feel like it's been a while since we've liked what we watched. Yeah, we planned it with Yami Shibai. Yamashiva new season just got announced. Oh, we're going to watch that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll watch that. It takes 10 minutes. When is that airing? Probably next season. Summer. Gird your loins for that. Yeah, 100% of that's getting watched. And we, ha then... we, have, we have to keep our consistent having watched all of Yamashiva. That's a good idea. What if one time, like, what if, like, years from now? So let me ask you, like, Zach. Yamashiva 92, the first good Yamashiva. Well, let me ask you, what do you think will happen in this upcoming season? <laughs> Well, right, I think, of Yami Shibai. So I think there's gonna be a, like a kid, right? Okay. Um, and this they're is gonna bold. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna go go somewhere they don't normally go. Yami Shibai is going in a whole new direction, right? They're for gonna, season, I don't know, nine. They're gonna have like they're gonna have like just moved probably. Okay. Um, and they're gonna be their parents aren't gonna be there. They went to work, and so the kid's like, all right, I gotta entertain myself. School hasn't started yet. I'll go out in the neighborhood see if I can meet somebody, right? And he goes out. But then a ghost happens, and then ends. Nobody saw that coming. So we have uh, we have a lot to look forward to this summer. It seems. Yeah. Twelve varied, original, unique stories mm -hmm. from the minds that brought you Yami Yami Shibai. Uh, and you know, like, there's always seasons one through five, hey, however many there are. There's always gonna be more and more anime about YouTubers now. So that's the thing. Let's just never think about that again. So if you want to talk with us about dystopias, uh, fictional or the one we're living in currently, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, Journey to the Core, and you can email us at journeytothecore at gmail.com. That's right. Yep. SoundCloud is open for comments. Send uh, us your beats. Yeah, send us your beats. We want to collab. We would love to collab. All right, so we look forward to collabing with you all. So yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Journey to the Core.